very good to see all of you out this morning. There are a lot of familiar faces uh, in the audience. I've known a lot of you for many years. There are some not-so-familiar uh, faces as well. And it's good to meet you and good to be here with you. I appreciate the opportunity to come and to speak with you. For those of you who have been here for a long time, those I know it's been, it's hard to believe it's been over 11 years since I stood up here the last time, I think, and said my vows uh, to Haley. Haley and I were married here over 11 years ago now, and uh, it's good to be back. It's good to see all of you. And I appreciate the opportunity so much to speak with you uh, this morning. If you saw the title of the lesson a few minutes ago, it, it was, the title up here was The Importance of Prayer. I'll go ahead and tell you that that's not the actual title. We'll get to that. It is a lesson on prayer, and the, the first several slides are going to be The Importance of Prayer. But I chose the lesson on prayer. I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about this morning, and I decided finally upon a lesson on prayer for several reasons, one of which it is an issue that affects all of us. Every one of us, I think, needs to probably do better uh, in prayer to God. I also chose it because it's an area in which I struggle with from time to time, and I feel that probably a lot of you are in the same boat. But one of the major reasons I chose the lesson on prayer this morning is because I believe prayer is one of the two most beneficial things that we can do in life. I believe there are two great, basic, fundamental things that we can do in life that will benefit our lives so much. If we could just learn to do two things in life, your life will change dramatically. One is prayer, and the other is study. If we would learn to communicate with God, we can change our lives so much, so quickly. Listen to God through His Word. Open up His Word. Study Find out what he has to say, and that will change your life. But just as much if we will learn to cast our cares upon God, if we will learn to have that relationship with him and talk to him in prayer, we can change our lives so much as well. Do you understand that prayer is the first step to solve any problem in your life? No matter what your problem is this morning in your life that you're facing, prayer is the first step. If you're hurting, pray. If you're struggling, pray. If you're anxious, if you're full of worry, pray. If you're confused, if you've got a decision to make and you don't know which way to go, pray. If you're needing something, if you're lacking something in your life, pray. Prayer is so beneficial to us. I want to talk, first of all, about the importance of prayer. And and, and I've heard Brother Edwin preach a lesson, and he held a meeting for us in Lexington several years ago. And if it was not for Brother Edwin's lesson, I probably would entitle this part, The Power of Prayer. But some of you, if you'll remember Edwin's lesson about the power of prayer, he says there is no power in prayer itself. Prayer is a means by which we access the power of God. But we need to understand that prayer is vitally important to us. And through prayer... We have so many great benefits. And what I want us to do for just a couple of minutes at the beginning of this lesson is to just think about the importance of prayer and what it can mean for us in our lives. The first thing I want you to think about is that prayer can help us in times of suffering. We read there a few minutes ago in James chapter 5, but if you'll look again at verse 13, you remember what James writes? He says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? 
Let him sing songs. We understand that prayer can help us. When we're suffering, when we're in trouble, it can help us. Some of you might have been hit hard by the financial times. Some of you may have lost your job. Some of you may have a reduction in income. Some of you may be facing tough times and struggling. Prayer can help you during those times. You may have relationship issues. There may be something in your life, something in your relationships with your spouse or with your family or with your neighbors or with coworkers or whoever it might be. And you're struggling. You're suffering. Prayer can help you. We studied in our class, in the auditorium class this morning, about the Apostle Paul and how much the Apostle Paul went through in his life. One of the things that helped him through his times of suffering was talking to his father, casting all his cares upon him. Remember King David back in the Old Testament and how many times he was on the run, running for his life. And yet that's when we read most of those psalms, which are prayers to God. The communication that David had with his father helped him through those times. We can look at the prophets of old. We can look at Moses. We can look at the apostles in the New Testament. We can look at all these great men and women of faith who struggled, who had many times of suffering. Yet prayer was a common denominator through all of that time. Prayer can help us in times of suffering. Prayer can also heal us and others. Again, in James chapter 5, if you look at verse 15, so remember James said, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I know every one of us has either been touched by illness in our own lives or in the lives of people we care about. And we need to understand if that is the case, we need to turn those cares over to God. God has said, I'll listen, and I can help. And He does act in the affairs of men. He can heal us from our illnesses. We remember King Hezekiah in the Old Testament. We remember God told King Hezekiah, He said, prepare to die. Get your house in order. You're going to die. And you remember what Hezekiah did? He prayed to his father. And he prayed earnestly that God would grant him more time. And he did. He gave Hezekiah 15 more years to live. And from that example, we learn that prayer can help us. It can heal us. And it can heal people that we care about. Another benefit of prayer is that through prayer we can help our brethren. Do you ever struggle with the question of what can I do? You know that somebody's going through a difficult time. You know that somebody's struggling. And you think in your mind, what is it that I can do? What can I do to help them get through this time? We can pray. Prayer will help our brethren. We need to get rid of the idea. You know, have you ever heard somebody say when somebody's real sick or somebody's struggling, all we can do now is pray? We need to get rid of that idea. All we can do now is pray. We need to realize that's the first thing that we need to be doing. That's the most powerful thing that we can do for somebody else is to pray. There's a passage I want you to turn to. Colossians chapter 4. Look at Colossians chapter 4. And this is a great phrase, talking about the benefit that we can have in the lives of other people. In Colossians chapter 4, if you'll look down at verse 12, notice what Paul says about a certain individual. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, 
that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. The phrase that I want you to know is about this man, Epaphras, who evidently was from the church there at Colossae. It says he was always laboring fervently for you in prayers. What could Epaphras do for the church at Colossae, even though he was not there with them right then? He labored fervently in prayers for them. We can work in the lives of other people by praying for them, fervently praying for them. The way James says it in James chapter 5 and verse 16 is confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Prayer is important and we can affect the lives of other people through prayer. Prayer can also prevent discouragement. If you remember in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, Jesus got ready to speak a parable to them. And the reason that He spoke the parable to them is that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Jesus tells us right there that one of the benefits of prayer, one of the reasons that prayer is so important, is it can help us prevent discouragement. I believe we all get discouraged at times. I know I've gotten discouraged at times for a variety of reasons. And I know you probably have as well. What can we do to prevent that? And what can we do to get through that time? Jesus says to pray. Paul says to pray. Again, we talked about Paul in our class this morning. Can you imagine being in his situation? How discouraging that could have been to him. But this is the same man, when you read his letters, he is always talking about two things. One, he's always talking about praying for other people. And he's always asking for people to pray to him, pray for him. You see, Paul realized that prayer is something that can keep him going, no matter what situation he faced, whether he was being beaten, or whether he was in prison, or whatever it was. Prayer helped him to stop being discouraged. Prayer can also help us to avoid temptation. In Luke chapter 22, and verse 40, you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? When Jesus was going, He knew what He had to face. And He went there with three of His disciples, and He told them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus is saying, prayer can help us even when we're tempted. All of us are tempted. I don't know what you're tempted by. I can guess by generalities. I know the types of things that I'm tempted by. I know the types of things that make me sin. But all of us are tempted. Even our Lord was tempted. All of us are tempted, but what is it that can help us during those times? God is there. And that's what will help us through those times of temptation. Prayer can also give us the means to attain forgiveness. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 22, you remember the, the story of Simon the sorcerer? You remember Peter talking to Simon? And we remember how Simon tried to buy the ability to impart the Holy Spirit? And Peter said to him, Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. I think this is one of those things that we might take for granted. We might take for granted that without prayer, we would not be able to have forgiveness of our sins. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the writer there says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
We need to understand with this gift of prayer that we can walk in front of God and we can ask for our sins to be wiped clear off our record. Prayer has great importance. Prayer also can cause us to be at peace. In Philippians chapter 4, in verses 6 and 7, Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I think this is one of the greatest benefits of prayer. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, and you confess your sins to God, and you have the confidence that God has forgiven you of those sins, and when you lay your head on your pillow at night, and you turn all of those worries that you have over to God, and you know that God is going to do what's best and handle it however things need to be handled. And we ask God for help. And we ask God for what we need. And we have the confidence that God will take care of us. You can rest peacefully knowing that you've turned everything over to God. Prayer allows us to be at peace. And then finally, prayer, through prayer, we can receive what we need. Remember in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be granted, open to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus tells us that whatever we need, all we have to do is ask. James chapter 4 and verse 2, James says, You do not have because you do not ask. We need to ask for what we need. Now I say all of that at the very beginning to remind us of the importance of prayer and all the benefits that we have through prayer. Prayer is so valuable to us in our lives. But the thing that I want to talk about this morning is that as much as prayer can do for us, we must realize that it's not a blank check. Prayer is not a blank check. In fact, sometimes God says no to our prayers. We have to realize that just because we pray for something, that doesn't mean that God is obligated to give it to us. How many times in your life have you prayed and prayed and prayed to God for something? Maybe you prayed so fervently that somebody in your life would get better from an illness. How many times have you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed? And you wonder, maybe you wonder in your mind, why didn't He answer me? Why didn't He do that for me? We need to understand that sometimes God says no. I believe there's a lot of people out there in the world today that stumble over this fact. That sometimes God says no to our prayers. There are people out there who doubt the existence of God because they say, I prayed to Him once and He didn't answer me. Well, yes, He did answer. He simply said no at that time. There are three examples that I just want to refer to very quickly. About times in Scripture that we remember that God said no. We remember the example of David. We remember in 2 Samuel chapter 11 about the, the, the incident with Bathsheba. You remember there was a child born out of that relationship. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, in the section of verses 14 through 18, we read that David prayed fervently to God that that child would live. 
that that child would not die because of his sin. And he prayed fervently. But do you remember what happened? The child died. The child died. And if you're in David's shoes, you might say, well, why? I prayed, I prayed, I prayed to God. And he didn't answer my prayer. Yes, he did. He said, no. He said, no, the child is going to die. Remember Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. Now, I have no idea what that thorn in the flesh was. But I know that whatever it was, it caused Paul some pain. It caused him some trouble. And he prayed to God fervently that God would remove that from him. But do you remember what happened? God said, no. God said, no, I'm not going to do that. Now again, if you're Paul, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. Why didn't God answer me? He did. He said, no. And then we can look at the example of Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. If there has ever been a fervent prayer, was it not the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? When Jesus said, let this cup pass from me, Jesus did not want to have to go through all of that pain and suffering. He said, let this cup pass from me. But God said no. God said no to His own Son. Now, why does God say no to our prayers? Why does He say no? Why doesn't He say yes to the things that we ask for? In David's case, we know that God said it's a consequence of sin. That's why the child had to die. Paul, why did he say no to Paul? Well, I think we could probably surmise that Paul needed to learn some humility from that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. With Jesus, we know that it was part of the plan, part of a greater plan, that he had to suffer and die upon the cross. So God said no. But why does God say no to some of our prayers? Most of the time, we don't know the reason. We don't know the reason why God says no. And I don't think we like it at all when we're told no. We don't like it when we don't know the reason why we're told no. You know, sometimes we have to tell our children no. We just say no. And sometimes our children want to know the reason why. And sometimes we give them a reason, but we don't have to all the time. They need to know, mean, they need to know that no means no. But it all boils down to a matter of trust. Do we trust that God knows what is best? that He knows when to say yes and that He knows when to say no. We may not ever understand why God says no in certain cases. But realize this one fact, that God must say no to our prayers in certain situations. Do you realize that? That God must say no to our prayers in certain situations. Let me just ask you this question. Do you want God to say yes to all of your prayers? Do you want Him to say yes to all of your prayers? Think about that for just a minute. And then let's pose this question. If God said yes to all of our prayers, if He said yes to everything that I prayed to Him about, let's look at four consequences of that this morning. I think it will help us to understand why sometimes God tells us no 
when we pray. The first one I want you to think about is that if God said yes to all of our prayers, no one would die and go to heaven. Think, think about that for just a minute. No one likes sickness and death. We don't want to get sick, and we don't want to die. And when we get sick, or when one of our friends gets sick, we pray to God that He would heal us and them. And I believe that we should. The passage that we read in James chapter 5 indicates that God can heal the sick, and that He will answer our prayers. We get to again look at the example of Hezekiah. God acted in his case and gave him those 15 more years to live. But if God answered yes to all of our prayers regarding healing, think about it. None of us would ever die. And none of us, none of our loved ones would ever be able to go to heaven. So God must say no when he decides that it's that person's time to go. And again, it boils down to a matter of trust. That we must put our trust in God. He will say yes to our prayers when it's appropriate, when it's best. And He will say no to our prayers when it is appropriate, when it is best. God knows what is best. If God said yes to all of our prayers, we would not learn endurance. I believe we're living in an age right now, an age of entitlement. I believe there's a generation growing up that has been raised and who has been given most everything in their lives. And I think we're starting to reap some of the consequences of that. That this generation that has arisen, that has been given most everything, and hasn't had to work for it, that now they're getting out into the workplace and they're suffering problems. Why? Because they're having to learn about disappointment and about failure. I believe that one of the reasons that God says no to some of our prayers is in order to teach us. That God says no so that we'll learn something through suffering every once in a while. Turn with me to James chapter 1. Look at James chapter 1, and let's read what James had to say about the trials and sufferings that occur in our lives. Those things that we pray so fervently that God would remove from our lives. Look at what James says about them. James chapter 1 and verse 2. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now what I want you to notice from that passage is, if we don't fall into those various trials that he mentions in verse 2, what are the consequences of not having to go through the trials of life? Well, verse 3, we won't have that patience. We won't have that endurance produced in our lives. And then verse 4, we won't have the perfect work of patience, the perfect work of endurance, that we could be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, there's a point to going through trials in life. There's a point to suffering. There's a point, there's a point to having to go through difficult things in life. Because God wants us to end up being perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He wants us to grow up into a complete person. And part of that process is going through difficult times. In verse 12 of James chapter 2, or in James chapter 1, James tells us endurance is the key to receiving the crown of life. So if you want the crown of life, 
you've got to learn endurance. If you want to learn endurance and you want to learn patience, what do you have to do? Your your faith has to be tested. You have to fall into those various trials and learn to get through those times. So what God is doing when He doesn't remove those trials from us, He's allowing us to be tested so that we will learn patience, we will learn endurance, and then we will be able to receive that crown of life. Again, it comes down to a matter of trust. We must trust that God knows what we need. And He will only allow us to be tempted as much as we're able. He's not going to allow us to go through a trial that's going to be more than we can handle. He's there for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But if God said yes to all of our prayers, we also would not learn gratefulness or appreciation. Let's pose a hypothetical situation for just a second. It's Christmas time. There's two young girls. Now, these two young girls are completely different. One of the young girls grew up in a very rich and prosperous family. This one young girl always got the latest toy, had toys beyond measure, had everything that she wanted. This other young girl was from a very poor family, never had very many toys at all, just has a few, and the ones that she has are really torn up and old. So you've got these two young girls, and it's Christmas time. And both of these young girls receive a nice, brand new doll. Caroline's got a bunch of dolls. Those American girl dolls, some of you know who those are. Those are. Let's just say they've got this doll, this nice new doll. And you've got these two young girls from completely different backgrounds. Which one of those young girls is going to be more appreciative of the gift that they received at Christmas? The answer is obvious, isn't it? The girl who had not ever received that much and was from the poor family, don't you think that she'll appreciate that present a whole lot more than this child who has received everything throughout her life? What's the point? If God gave us everything... Would we be grateful for those gifts that we do receive? If God gave us everything that we ever asked Him for, would we be grateful for the things He has given us? Well, instead of guessing about the answer, let's look at an actual example. In Jeremiah chapter 5, in verses 27 and 28, we read about what happened to the nation of Israel. Where Jeremiah says regarding this nation, he says they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat, they are sleek, yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. And that starts in the latter part of verse 27. They have become great and grown rich, grown fat, they are sleek, yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. Now notice right there what Jeremiah is saying about this nation is that they received all these physical blessings. They received all of these great things. And what happened? They just did more wickedness. They surpassed the deeds of the wicked. In Hosea chapter 4 and verse 7, Hosea says it just a little bit differently when he says, the more they increase, the more they sinned against me. The more they increase, the more they sinned against me. And God's speaking there. 
The point is that what happened to Israel is the more they received, the more they were given from God, the more they sinned against God. So let me ask you a question. In even our own wisdom, if you're sitting in the place of God and you know that to be the case, do you answer yes to all of your prayers? You know, we pray oftentimes. We pray about things, material things of this world. Maybe not believing we're not going to go out and pray that God will give me a new car. But we'll pray about the job that we need to support our family and to have the nice things of life. Here in the United States, when we're blessed so abundantly, so much more than people in other parts of the world, when we lose a little bit here, we think we're, we think we're in dire straits. God allows us to go through times like this, I believe in part, so that we'll learn gratefulness or appreciation. You have to go through some bad times to truly appreciate the good times. But the final point I want you to think about, if God said yes to all of our prayers, things would not work out the best because everything that happened would be based on what we thought was best. And I know that's a mouthful, but think about it for a few minutes. If God said yes to all of our prayers, things would not work out for the best because everything that happened would be based on what we thought was best. Do you remember the words of Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23? The prophet Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. I think we quote that verse a lot, but I don't think we always think that it's true. That sometimes we think in our own minds that we know what's best. We know what should happen, and I'm going to pray to God, and when He says no to that, I get mad. Because I can't see the wisdom of God. I think I know what needs to happen in my own life. The truth is, though, that the Father knows better than the children how things can work out best. I want you to think back into your past for a few minutes. And I want you to recall some of the things in your life that you have fervently prayed about. Think about some times in your life when you have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed about. Maybe there was this girl that you adored and that you wanted God to make her yours. Or maybe you prayed about a job possibility or a job promotion. Or maybe you prayed about this and maybe you prayed about that. But just think about some times where you have prayed and prayed and prayed to God, but then later you realized that those things happening would not have been good in your life. You see, every once in a while in our lives, I think God lets us see the folly of our own thoughts. And sometimes we pray and pray and pray to God that this will happen, but then later on, aren't we glad that it didn't? Aren't we glad that God said no to that prayer? Maybe in that scenario where you prayed about that girl, you wanted God to make yours, maybe later you realize that you met the love of your life later on, that she wasn't it. Aren't you glad God said no? Or maybe with that job possibility of that job promotion, you later found a better job than the one you had prayed about. We don't always get to see the wisdom of God and get to know His explanations, 
But every once in a while we see it. And when we do, we need to realize that God always knows what is best. I'll give you a very personal example that some of you are familiar with. For several years after Caroline was born, Haley was suffering with a thing called endometriosis, which is a very painful thing. And we prayed and prayed and prayed that God would remove that from her. But for some of you who know the story, you realize that if it had not been for that illness, endometriosis, they wouldn't have found the more serious problem until it was too late. You see, we have to trust God. We may not always be praying for the things best in our lives, but we know that God knows what's best in our lives. We keep praying and we keep trusting. And many times we don't know what we need in our lives. And we just need to turn it over to God. That doesn't mean that we don't ask for certain things that we think can help. It simply means that when we pray, we trust that God will answer in a way that will cause to work out for the best. I, for one, am very thankful that I don't have to figure out what's best. That I don't have to be the one who answers all of those prayers and try to make it all work. I have a God who knows the right things to do. The question is, do I have enough trust in Him to allow Him to do that? One final point, and that is, if God said no to His own Son, can't He say no to us? How hard do you think it was for God to tell His Son no in the garden when He saw the fervency that He prayed with? But he said no. Why? Because what Jesus was going to have to go through was what was best. So that all could benefit from that. If God said no to his son, he can certainly say no to us. And we need to accept God's will, just as our Lord did in the garden.